Pastor Tiffany mentioned to you that uh, we have, uh, are at, our, and I think I just said to you too, but we are at the final day of this series on the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, just as your pastor, I'm just telling you, this, is one, this one's been life-changing for me. It, it really has, because uh, we've just endeavored to address some things that uh, maybe some of you might have been raised in uh, what's called Pentecostalism or Pentecostal church. Which uh, Pentecostal was really, we've turned it into a denomination, but it's not. It's just a day and an event that took place in Scripture. But uh, it's for because of maybe some of your past experiences, that Pentecostalism has become a very enjoyable experience that maybe you have. But for some people, it's very weird. So I uh, just want you to understand that what we're trying to do in this series is really kind of despookify some of the things in relation to the Holy Spirit Himself and introduce you to the personhood of Him. Uh, and not only that, we want to kind of maybe demystify it and get people comfortable with Him. And I believe if we do that, then we will be able to make some room for uh, maybe the supernatural to come in that we want to be seeing in our church. And, uh, but if you've got your scriptures with you, your Bibles with you, your iPads, iPhones, whatever you need, we'll have the things up here on the board as well. Go with me to the book of Matthew. We'll start there this morning, Matthew chapter 28. And... Uh, Look at verse 19 in the New Living. And, um, you know, again, like I said, if you don't have that translation, we'll have it up here on the screen for you. And uh, I'm going to do a very, 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 very quick review here in just a couple minutes. Uh, because we've got to get somewhere in this service that we didn't get in first service. Uh, to really help us understand the personhood of the Holy Spirit. That's our goal from day one of this series. is to introduce you to... The, the Trinity and have a relationship with the whole Trinity, not just two parts of the Trinity. Everybody, most people know, if, you, if you've walked with God or have a relationship with Christ, you understand the Trinity in this sense. God the Father, He loves me. We know that. And maybe even God the Son, Jesus Christ, He saved me. But it's the personhood of the Holy Spirit that we may have... Uh, some people actually go to heaven and never even know that there's a relationship with the third person of the Godhead that God wants you to have and have that Trinity working in your life that you miss out. I'm just telling you, you'll miss out with something that's very supernatural in, in its nature, but it's very personable and intimate in its personhood. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 reads this way. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Now, the word baptizing is going to be kind of our focus during this whole service in some sense. But look at this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what we've covered so far just in our past few weeks together, number one, week one, we said we want to introduce you to the uh, personhood of the Holy Spirit, but ultimately the presence of the Holy Spirit. Presence being His nature. And we said that the nature can be founded by looking at the name Holy Spirit itself. And you look at that word spirit and you find out that the word spirit is defined as wind or breath or an exhalation of God. And so we took that word, wholly connected to it, which brings the deity to it. And we said, wouldn't it sound kind of funny if the writer, when they begin to put this in scripture, instead introduce you to the holy wind of God. So they brought the word spirit, pneuma, or the word spirit, ruach in the Hebrew. And they put this here so that we would get a better understanding of maybe the presence and His nature. And we said, just like the wind, the presence of the Holy Spirit is unseen. You can't see wind. Just like the wind, the presence of the Holy Spirit, His nature is unpredictable. And the unpredictable side is probably the part that we're all uncomfortable with. 
But listen to me, the Holy Spirit never really does anything, the same thing over a second time, just like he did before. But sometimes what we're doing is we're trying to recreate an experience that we had in the past and trying to bring it into the now, and the Holy Spirit's wanting to do something totally different in your life. So we looked at that side of his nature and his presence. We found out that his presence is powerful. There's a power side to the presence of God. We're going to hit that today real strong. But then also we said that there's a refreshing side to the presence of God and the nature of God. And when I say for, just like the wind comes in and a cool breeze blowing through my hair, I don't have a whole lot of hair, but the cool breeze blowing in just like wind and being refreshing, there's a refreshing side to the Holy Spirit as well. And then we moved on from there and we talked about the personality of the Holy Spirit in our second week. And what gives a person a personality? And we said it's a soul. They have a soul. In other words... They have a mind, they have a will, and they have emotions. Well, did you know the Holy Spirit has a mind, He has a will, and He has emotions as well? And He comes alongside us, living inside of us. He wants to help us see and get to know how God thinks. He wants to help us know what God's will is for our lives so that we can make choices in line with the will of God. And do you know there's also a side that He wants you to know the emotion of God as well. He has feelings. And sometimes we stay away. We don't want to be led by those feelings. I get that. But there's a true, tangible presence and feeling of the presence of God. Just like in that, what we just had in that praise and worship. You know, if you, if you like that type of worship and you like what you just had, many of you, especially second service, you guys are the ones that's kind of hard for us to come out of that moment because you're enjoying something. The presence, you're enjoying the feeling that you're having at that moment. It's emotion. And that's a side that you've got connected with God. And the Holy Spirit, actually we said that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And we said that, you know, nobody wants to do that, but we gave you examples of how you could grieve Him. And He also, in the same scripture, He gave us examples in Ephesians, how we can avoid grieving the Holy Spirit. One, be someone that forgives. But He doesn't leave you out there to do that alone. He comes alongside to help you do it. And then we talked about the power. Just like the, the power of God the, is the wind in my sail. It helps me get to where I'm going. Just like wind can push a boat, can uh, generate power. There's a power side to the Holy Spirit. And then as He's refreshing, and when you begin to put all of this into one little package, if we're not careful, people take that experience and they get into sensationalism with it. And they get into a place with it where they make man's interpretation of it. And they begin to confuse it in such a way that people don't want to be around it. And I want you to understand something, guys. We have to come to this place where we have relationship with the Holy Spirit. We understand Him as a person because He's never referred to as a thing. He's never referred to as an it in Scripture. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. And so I wanted to make sure that you understand how this third person is actively working and always wanting to be involved in your life. Amen? Stand up with me. Let's pray. Let's get ready for our second part of this today. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. He's my helper. He's my standby. He's my strengthener. And we found out that He wants to be my intimate friend as well. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come in and be, according to the Scripture, teach us. Show us things to come that will enable us to be overcomers in this life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I said to you this, that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is He also has a purpose in your life. What do I mean by purpose? He has a purpose to come alongside you and to help you fulfill God's given purpose in your life. 
And that there's gifts in your life that are enabling you to be able to do that as well. We call them grace gifts. And according to the scripture, the word grace has a definition to it. Its Greek word is charis. In other words, it's where we get our word charismatic. <laughs> and what's funny about that, I like to tell everybody that, you know what? Everyone in this room, whether you want to or not, you are charismatic. You might not be in how you express yourself like someone to the right or to the left of you, but you have a charis. You have a charismatic gift in you, a grace gift. And the Holy Spirit's purpose is to come alongside and help you propel that and learn that and fulfill that so that your life is fulfilled. And so here's what we've done. We've actually put together a step process to help you get along maybe on this course to where you get to where you're fulfilling your purpose. It's called Growth Track. And the purpose of Growth Track ultimately comes alongside you to help you discover freedom in your life. But before freedom comes into your life, we want to introduce you to God. What happens when you get to know God? You find out that there's a free side to God. You find out that He wants you to be free. We step you to that place of freedom. And guess what? This class today is going on at 6 o'clock. And if you've never come to the place where you have this total, full bore, all-in relationship with God, this might be something that you want to give some attention to. You'll get to know Pastor Tiffany, you'll get to know me a little bit, you'll get to know some of our people, but our ultimate goal within that class is not to just get you free. We want to step you to a place where maybe you discover a purpose that you have in your life, not only purpose, where you're also being fulfilled. And ultimately where fulfillment takes place is when you are making a difference in somebody else's life. Amen? And, and, and until that starts to happen, I said this, I think, last week, that your grace gift is always going to be connected, or the purpose of God is always going to be connected to a grace gift, it's always going to be connected to people. If you don't like people, you'll be challenged in life. Okay? I joke with that because it's true. Some people really don't like people. You're better with me, myself, and I. They're your three best friends. Maybe just find one or two and make a difference in their life. Because there's a gift that God's put in you that only you can do and is only meant for you and is only going to happen through you. And uh, maybe that's why you're not fulfilled right now. Maybe that's why you're still trying to figure life out. Maybe that's why even at the age, I don't care how old you are, it never gets too old to, you get too old to find out and discover this. Matter of fact, I think about Chuck uh, Hester that was in our first service. 92 years old, still driving. And he was walking out the door to this first service and I looked at him and I said, keep on going. And he said, oh, I'm not going to stop. I don't know what his purpose is, I don't know what, but he's, but he's definitely someone that has embraced life in such a way, he's not ready to be done yet. And I'm convinced that to help someone come to that place where they're not done yet and they're not ready to be done with life, it will only happen when they figure out, God's got purpose for you. But you're going to need power to fulfill that purpose. And you try to do this on your own, try to live life by yourself, try to live life without acknowledging something that God's got available to all of us, then there might be a hesitation within you, there might be a limitation of that fulfillment, and there might be a place where you never receive the peace that you've been looking for. And hopefully today I'll be able to take you to a place where maybe you can discover that peace, but not just peace, where there's an umph or there's a power behind what you're doing. Go with me to Acts, book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, let's start there. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. Scripture says here, But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And when you begin to think about that, I want to introduce you this week to three baptisms that are available to every believer. Why do I want to introduce you to the three baptisms? Because there is a baptism of power that you need, but if you don't understand the first two baptisms, you may not never ever receive the third one. The first baptism that comes to all of us is the baptism into the body of Christ. That's your salvation experience. That's your first time experience where you welcome Jesus in your life. That's that moment that you go all in. That's that moment when you come into a relationship with him. That's that moment when life changes, life is different, and you accept something. But the word baptism means I'm immersed in it. And sometimes when we make this decision of immersion, we don't really understand the full uh, definition of immersion. I like to define immersion by this term. It helps me a little bit better. All in. And the day Jesus came into my life, 30-some years ago now for me, I know right where I was, I know exactly what I was doing, I know what got me there, and I've never been the same since. I came to a place where I welcomed Jesus in, but I wasn't just welcomed into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I was welcomed into a relationship with a body of people, of like believers, of like faith, not talking about denomination, but people that understood that there is freedom in God. Now listen to this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized into one spirit, into one body. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized, immersed into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now I want to show you something that happens at this baptism experience, this salvation experience. Go with me to John chapter 7. I want you to see this. Because this will be pivotal for you receiving this baptism of power that I'm going to introduce to you here in just a few minutes. John chapter 7, look at verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now listen. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. This is prior to the death, burial, and resurrection. Now go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, look at verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now, and listen to this phrase, I love this, and later will be in you. So here we've got Jesus telling His disciples, He says, look, this is after... This comes to that place, he's starting to set them up. Look, there's an experience coming, there's something coming, there's a person coming, you're going to need him in your life. Go to John chapter 20. After the death, burial, and resurrection. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I don't know if you can see humor in Scripture, but can you imagine? It said the doors were locked, and all of a sudden Jesus pops through the wall or pops through the door and said, Hello, here I am. And you can imagine why he said the very first word, Peace be with you, because they're, they're tripped out now. And Jesus begins to explain to them, he says this, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Why? Because everything that they had been expecting and believed now is starting to make sense to them. The death, the burial, and Him dying on the cross starts to make sense. But listen to what Jesus says here. This is really cool. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is their salvation experience. Up until this moment, there was not a salvation experience. They had only been baptized according to John, baptized in water. And when you come to this place, here Jesus is saying, Look, I want you to receive something, your baptism experience. But listen, my point is that when that salvation experience happens to you, the Holy Spirit now comes and lives inside of you. And why am I pointing that out? Because there's other experiences that go beyond this that are not the inborn experience anymore. They're not the experience of the Holy Spirit just coming in you. And the only way you can see that is we have to look at these writers, look at different writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, synopsis in their, in their makeup, different stories, different accounts, but different nuggets in each piece. And as we take this look at this, I want you to see, again, I'm going to step you to this place in the book of Acts where you'll see there's another experience beyond this salvation experience of baptism. But the next baptism that you would experience would go to this place of water baptism. But look at this here in John cha- or Luke chapter 24. It says, while they were still speaking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here's a whole separate experience. Even though they have received the Holy Spirit, if you go over to the book of Acts with me, go to Acts chapter 1. Again, Luke, the writer of Acts, he says this. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, promise, which you have now heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but a few days now you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he says, you'll be immersed into a baptism beyond just a baptism of salvation. What does that mean? He tells us in verse 8. You will receive a power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not in you. He comes on you. And you'll be a witness in Jerusalem. The word witness means there will be a boldness in your life that won't come any other way. Talking about the second baptism, water baptism, a separate experience. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just want you to see that the water baptism is an outward expression of an inward work that's happening on the inside of a believer. Second baptism available to the body of Christ. When I look at water baptism, here's what the best example I can give you of what that looks like. My wife and I, we got married. We, I proposed to her about 25 years ago in October, 25 years ago here on the beach. That day when we came into that opportunity, no, 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 probably 30 years because we were engaged a year and a half. But it was that moment where I made a profession to her. I made a commitment to her to be husband and wife. Then it came to our special day of commitment. It came to this day where we really got married. It was all about us. But you know what? There also came a place where there's an outward expression that commits myself to her, commits her to me, and says, don't touch this. This belongs to me. And this is that outward expression of that. When you look at this ring, what this is saying is, look, don't touch that. I'm going to kill you if you do. 
the ring on her finger says, don't touch this, you can't have this. I belong, she'll kill you for sure. I know she will. <laughs> Water baptism, the scripture says that there comes a day in your life where there's effort on your part beyond the salvation experience that's free. You can't work for salvation. You can't buy it. It's free. It's a gift. It's just an accepting of receiving something that belongs to you. But the water baptism is me saying, you know what? I am going to go all in and I'm marking myself. I hate to use the word mark, but it's true. I'm going to mark myself of a, uh, of a private experience that I've had with God. And I'm saying that, you know what? Now I'm going all in. I'm not halfway. I'm not one foot in and one foot out. And I want you to see something that... I believe that there's a power that is necessary for you to not just be one foot in and one foot out. And I believe that that power comes with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now what's happened with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we've actually taken something and because of its packaging, because of the way people have put it together and made it about one experience, about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a prayer language that you have available to you to put in your toolbox of prayer. Okay? But we've taken the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, which is a gift separate of this experience of a prayer language of tongues, and we've intermingled them all together and made it weird and made it something that's almost unexplainable to people. And that's why people are confused when they come in. They come into a church because you've got all this going on and they have no knowledge of why, why it is going on. But we've got people that what they're doing because of goofiness and because people kind of get involved with things, instead of taking something that is a very powerful experience for you and available in your life, we're turning it into a sensationalism. We're turning it into something that it's not. It actually comes from a relationship with a person of the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to understand that, as we just saw, he said that there will be rivers of living water that will be living in you, and those waters are waiting to come out. But it's not necessarily that you're going to go up to somebody in the grocery store and start praying in tongues in a weird prayer language in front of them, and they're going to think you're weird, and they're going to kick you out and throw you in jail. No matter of fact, it's totally opposite of that. When you're filled with this evidence of the power of God and the speaking in tongues, more than anything, you're more normal than most people. Because you're full on the inside, you know how to activate the power on the outside, and you're not taking that power that's going to hurt people and spook people out. And what's happened is men are doing that, and they're taking people away. And I know it's a tact of the enemy. Because the enemy understands the benefit of this subject of praying in tongues. And so what I want to do is to take the next 10 minutes and I'm going to introduce you to this power and this common occurrence of the power of God and when the power of God was made available and when people see these experiences of the power of God coming in them but then coming upon them that there are some common occurrences, common happening, common patterns that you can see when that happened that maybe we would want to consider if this was working in my life. And then once we see those common patterns or common occurrences, then I want to show you very quickly the benefits of what that's for. Because if I just leave you there and say, hey, this is just the pattern, and never tell you why, again, you'll walk out unfulfilled, you'll walk out with no understanding, and you'll walk out and think that this is, has no meaning to it. All right? So he says, look, Jesus said, you're going to need this power available. He said, I want you to wait until you're endued with it on high. 
And I think what I love about Jesus is he's so prophetic in his life of, of preparing us for the now and the future. He let us know how much would be going on in the world just right now. You can go read Matthew chapter 24 and read the prophecy of the last days and see all of those things that are happening every moment you turn your news on. But even that's not enough to maybe move people into a place where they would want this additional prayer into their toolbox. And what I want you to see is that the power that's available to you, the scripture calls it dunamis. The scripture calls it dynamite in its way of working. Some of you got things in your life that no human effort is going to make a difference in. You've been trying it for a long time. Some of you have addictions. Some of you have... Uh, matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the scripture says, Be ye filled with the Spirit. And it says, Stop being filled with something from the world because that creates debauchery. Now, if you don't know what debauchery means, go look it up. You might find yourself or find somebody else, but it's not good. And the Bible says that, listen, he says, the way I'm going to move away from debauchery, the way I'm going to move away is stop supplementing my life with a supernatural that's not really a supernatural, it's a temporary supernatural. And what that tells me is that you are going to, at some point, want supernatural working in your life. All of you. Come on, man, come on. All of us want power to be able to do something simple as get up in the morning because maybe, maybe you're aches and pains every time you get up. You want a power available to you to enable you to move up to get up. Maybe it's a, a power available to you more than just a person of the Holy Spirit of knowing that He teaches me and shows me and guides me and gives me wisdom and knowledge and revelation. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want something that's going to be a push in my life. It's going to be a power in my life that is very real and very tangible and creates a boldness in my life that when that boldness shows up, not only do I recognize it, but maybe those all-in people, that are the, that all-in moment of salvation experience really becomes a real life. Listen to me. Peter. Peter could not admit to a young girl his relationship with Jesus Christ denied him three times. Fifty days later from that one-day experience, <laughs> I'm going to show it to you in Scripture, fifty days later, this power came up and upon him where tongues showed up in his life, speaking in tongues, which is an evidence of the power that was there, and he was speaking to 3,000 people and began to preach. And you see a common thread of Peter throughout the book of Acts, the very beginning of the church. The church, listen, did not begin until this power came. I would like to say it this way. Your life doesn't really begin until this power comes. You only have... And, and when we... You see, the unpredictable side of this is the challenging part. Because it causes me, according to the prophet Ezekiel, to come from a place where I'm, I'm, I'm ankle deep. causes me to go from a place where I'm knee deep. And it actually might take me to a place where I get to waist deep. We're comfortable at waist deep. Why? Because your feet are still on the ground. You're still in control. This experience will cause you to go to where you're getting into the river of the living water and the brock. It's only up here, guys. In this place where you're in the river, where your feet are off the ground, where God can really fulfill His purpose in your life. 
You wanted to put a marriage back together. You wanted to stop destroying what your life is right now. This, it won't happen. Let me tell you, maybe tell, so you tell it to you this way. The first step to life turning around for you may be coming to know God. That might be what you need to do first. Without knowing Him, you're just out there on a limb on your own. And if your fruit behind you is not good, just wake up and say, Okay, how have I been doing this on my own? And so when God comes in, then there's probably a place where you're going to really need some freedom. You made a mess of things. Matter of fact, if I was honest with you, just kind of jumping ship here, your life is extremely a mess right now. And you're wanting it to turn around. You don't even have feelings and emotions that you had before for significant others. Maybe your wife or your husband. And you're wanting all of that to come back. It won't happen just by what you're doing. It has to come to a place where you go all in and commit and submit life over to the kingdom of God. He's the only one that can make a difference. I've been doing this a long time, guys. And I've had people look right at me face-to-face and on the phone and tell me they weren't willing to give up certain things. And I looked right at them and I said, guys, until you're able to go this route, this is not about what church you go to. It's not about how good you look. This is not about what job you have. This is about coming to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, there is a power available for you to begin to make life a little bit better than it is. I'm telling you that life can get even better than it is, than better than the little bit when you bring power into it. And you can look in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 2, where this first time, one-time experience of an ongoing experience happened in the life of these disciples. This is when you see the power of God come that Jesus had told them was going to come. In Acts chapter 2, you see that there was a common, there was, a, there was an event that happened. It says it came in as a rushing mighty wind. Isn't that interesting? Unpredictable. Unseen. Huh? Power. Refreshing. Unpredictable is the wind and it came in. I believe it did that just to simply get them off guard so that they couldn't say it was anything else but God. And the moment that happened, you see that they were filled with something that came up and upon them. And it says they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Prophesy means edification, exhortation, to bring comfort to men. But they begin to speak in tongues, in a prayer language beyond their self. You go read chapter 2 for yourself. You'll find out. You read it all the way down because there was such a question. There was such a, uh, 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 let's use the word, weirdness or strangeness to it that people began to question what was happening. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. And they said, these guys must be drunk because of this experience and these things happening. And then that's when Peter... Bold, stood up, now he's empowered. And he began to preach to them and he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied was going to begin to take place. Now jump over with me in time, in history. Just move a little bit farther forward with me. I'm skipping a whole bunch, but jump with me to chapter 10. In chapter 10, this is like 8 to 10 years after that experience. You see, Acts chapter 10, you see something that happens. Same kind of experience. Same thing happened when there was power that came on them. They began to speak in tongues. You jump on over to Acts chapter 19. I'm skipping two in the middle, bringing you to a place. Again, an experience that happened, they would begin to pray in tongues. What am I saying? That when this power was made available and this came up and upon them, there was a common occurrence. There was a common thing that happened, a pattern that shows that this is something that you think is just held for them. Why would God ever give something to them and not make it available to us? Huh? 
When Jesus said, matter of fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 2 and come over to verses 38 and 39, you find out that this is for all. And in that same scripture, you find out that Peter said, you know what? Listen, this is a baptism of Christ. This is salvation. But at the same time, this baptism here in the Holy Ghost is for all as for any of those that are far off. That would be you and me. So if I go from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts, and I read all of that history, some of them the same accounts of everything, and I see a common thread that tells me that there's a person of the Holy Spirit coming, that tells me I'm going to need that in this life. I've introduced to him, you him already. I've told you who he is. I've told you his purpose. But then when I begin to pick up and I look at the starting of the church, which is you and I, which is the manifestation of this power, and I see another common thread all the way through that experience where people begin to speak in tongues. I told you that the nature of the Holy Spirit may be unpredictable, but we've got to give some attention and ask, what is this about? Is this something that is beneficial for me? Is this something that's going to help me in this life? The only way you can find out is to look into Scripture. So if you jump over with me, if you want to go there to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the, the chapter that confuses people because they don't read throughout the whole chapter and find out there are two main subjects in this chapter. There's the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit within the church, the setting right here. And then there's the work of the Holy Spirit, this gift of praying in tongues in you as an individual. Actually, if you look down, Paul, sometimes people argue that Paul wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. And they get that from Acts chapter 8. They say that he wasn't filled. But over here in Corinthians, he says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And so why am I saying that's so important? Well, that's not even enough for me. That doesn't answer it for me. I want to know what it benefits me to pray in tongues. I want to know what it does for me. A little bit selfish, is that okay? So you can only find out by answering that through Scripture. So I go back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at verse 2. It says here in this chapter that he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto the devil. That's not what it says. It speaks unto God. So when I'm praying in tongues, I have a direct hotline to pray. Look, this is just an additional prayer into your toolbox of all the prayers that you have available for you to pray. All right? Let's give an example of a prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy... Come on. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. Why are you comfortable with that and not comfortable with this? Because you got your feet on the ground on this one. And in this one you don't. Hmm? Speaking in tongues according to the scripture, it says, I'm praying directly to God. It's a prayer language to God. In the same chapter, the same verse, he says, not only that, I'm speaking mysteries. The word speaking should be pray. The word speaking should be communing to God about mysteries of my life. What's a mystery in your life right now? You know what you're doing tomorrow? Going to work, maybe. You know what you're doing five years from now? Not real sure. Can't think that far ahead. Most people don't. 
Most people plan day to day. But the Holy Spirit never plans day to day. He'll show you day to day, but He's always planning your future. Huh? And if your future looks pretty dark right now, you want it to brighten up, you might want to hook up with what He's trying to tell you to make it brighter. Here's a way that, listen to me guys, Pastor Tiffany and I, I'm going to take about 10 minutes extra. Pastor Tiffany and I, we're not that smart. We're not that qualified to be doing what we're doing right now. As a pastor. Do you know what? I would be remiss to come to you and say that we built this on our own. 400 and some people coming to church every Sunday. And a church get ready to start a northern location. Hey, I, I, I'm not that good, guys. All right, let me expand that a little bit. We're not that good. Coastal's making an impact, making a mark. We're, we're, we're kind of getting out on top of the river now where Coastal's beginning to, his feet starting to be lifted up and we're starting to move in the rivers of the Holy Ghost on the outer banks to where you have a voice in some things now. But you know what? We are all not that good. What makes that good is the power of the Holy Ghost and the personhood of the Holy Spirit that's moving this ship around. When I get to a place where I don't know how to lead this ship, where you don't know how to lead your life, I will come to a place where I'm a little bit more uncomfortable. I come to a place where I don't have all knowledge. I'm, I'm mature enough to admit I don't know all things. Look at somebody. You don't know all things. I'm mature enough to admit that I need someone a little bit bigger and helpful than myself. And I'm control freak. Do you know what I mean? I like control of everything. I have my structure. I have my statement of faith. But it's this little bit of uneasy side here, moving with the Holy Spirit at times, that, that can be a little bit uneasy. And that's that place where it's only going to be the real victory, where you're up over top of the mountains that you're facing right now. And the Bible says that this common occurrence that happened every time power came up and upon them, there was tongues involved. So over here, Paul's telling me what that tongues is. He's saying it's my opportunity to pray directly to God. It's my opportunity to pray out a future for myself. When I don't know where I'm going, I yield to praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and I begin to pray out that future. And I can tell you hundreds, almost thousands of times now, when I didn't know the next step, I yielded myself over to this place where I begin to pray out things in the Spirit according to what the Scripture says. And I begin to see a path open up that I couldn't see any other way. But that's still not enough for me. I want to make it more selfish. Help me a little bit more, Holy Spirit. What is the benefit of this thing called speaking in tongues? I don't want to be like that church down the street. I don't want to be like that. Because we've made this about a church, and it's not about a church. It's about an experience. It's about a benefit. And we're, de we're defining churches by it instead of defining it by you and the Holy Spirit. We avoid churches because of it. Because maybe you just need to get your feet off the ground. So the Scripture goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14, verse 8, verse. Four, he says, look, this is also a place for you to charge yourself up. When you pray out in tongues, he says, you are stirring up the gift of God on the inside of you. You are charging yourself up. You are edifying, is what the King James says. Edifying means I'm going to build myself up. I'm going to charge myself up to a place where I'm supernaturally able to walk out this life that I'm living in. So these are some benefits. This is a common occurrence. Jesus said you need it. My life is a mess. I don't want to make it about the tongues. I'm just making it about power. 
You need to be introduced to God. Once you're introduced to God, freedom will show up. When you're introduced to freedom, purpose will come. And when purpose comes, you'll begin to make a difference. But you can't do any of that without power that's within. And the reason I said all of that is because this brings me to this spot where I say, you know what, then how? (laughs) How do I get filled with the Spirit? How do I get filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues? This extra prayer option, this extra prayer language, number one, you've got to remove all barriers. That starts by bringing Jesus in your life. That's, that's the first step. That's once he comes in, focus on you, focus on your relationship. Don't even go there with this yet. Just focus on you. And then what do I do next? Once I've brought Jesus in, once I've removed those barriers, then I come to this place where you ask and once I get to this place where I ask, he says he's not going to give you anything that's going to ever harm you or hurt you. And he says, anything that you ask in my name, he says, I will do it. So you don't have to ask for the Holy Spirit because he came when you got saved. He's living in you. But the extra experience of praying out secrets and mysteries of speaking in tongues, you do ask for that. And then you say, what's the next step? Well, the next step is to receive it by faith. And that's the hard part. Because that's where I have to get my feet off the water. Off the ground. That's where I trust my life into the hands of maybe someone that's experienced in that realm. I trust my life into the hands of maybe my church. Maybe I trust myself into the hands of one or two people outside of the church experience into a house like myself. I came to that place where I didn't want to be around anybody. You know why I didn't want to be around people? Because there was too much confusion in it with me. I was raised in what we, like I said, call Pentecostal church. I was raised in a church where running was the norm. I was raised in a church where this experience was the norm. I was raised in a church where, man, if you weren't, they made you feel, they, they judged you by it. You see what I'm saying? Listen to me. Some of our packaging of something... You can tell when it's not packaged right when it makes you feel judged because you don't. You can tell it's when it's not packaged right when you feel feel criticized because you're not functioning like somebody else. I'm not asking you to do either one. I'm just introducing you to. Because the decision will be up to you. How you want to come into this life where there's a power and it it ultimately, can can I throw this out there at you without being judgmental, without being critical, but just presenting a truth to you? I would present this to you, that without this step of power and evidence of this power, the Trinity is not fully working in your life. Oh, you know God the Father. I know Him. He knows everything about me. He knows what I said last night. He knows what I'm going to do today. Oh, I know Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Man, He's my Lord. He saved me. And it's very real, very tangible relationship that I have. And yes, I do know the Holy Spirit. I've had some time to get to know Him. I've had some time to get to know that, you know what? His presence is not that strange as people make it. I've had some time to get to know His personality. His personality is that there's an unseen side to it. I've learned that, that, that there's an unexplained side to it sometimes. I've learned that I can't always dictate what he's going to do, but I know when he's doing because it's right, it seems good. 
I've learned that, that in that personality of his that, that it's refreshing. I've learned that in that presence of his in that, that refreshing spot that there's power. And I can only tell you, tell you from experience, I've seen some pretty impossible things that if I begin to explain to you, even some of you in this church right now, your life was impossible at one time. And you would be able to say to me right now, nothing made the difference in your life except this experience with the power of God. I challenge you with only one thing today, and I'm going to let you go. Quit. Challenge yourself to not keep trying to go get the fulfillment you're looking for out there in the world. Instead of taking that shot on Friday so you can calm down and wind down, maybe take a shot of this and learn about it. See what it is. I'm not making it about your outward extracurricular activities. But I am saying that many of us, those outward extracurricular activities that we have, I can't go here unless I'm doing this. We can't attend this unless this is there. My passions, my habits, my hobbies, my job, my relationships, relationships with others outside of my own home. Question yourself why you're pursuing those things. And ask, are they really fulfilling me, fulfilling what I'm looking for? And I would present to you, probably not. That's why you're always wanting to go get more. Every time I've come to Him, welcomed Him, engaged with Him, fellowship with Him, and prayed with Him, in this place of an extra prayer language into my toolbox. I've never come out with a hangover. I've never come out feeling beat up. And I've never come out feeling lost or feeling half empty. And I for sure have always walked out fulfilled. Stand up.